Hello and welcome to New Things Under the Sun. I'm Matt Clancy. This week's podcast, Proximity. Is this more important for meeting than collaborating? Innovation disproportionately happens in cities. So what is it about packing people together that makes them so innovative? Last week, we looked at a few papers that showed denser neighborhoods with lots of restaurants, cafes, and bars facilitated more innovation and that the kind of innovation that happens in cities tends to reflect the social milieu of the surroundings. In particular, the residents of dense parts of cities tend to work on a more diverse collection of technologies, and that gets reflected in the kinds of patents those people develop. This week, I want to look at some evidence that one of the most important functions of cities is to introduce us to new people. I'll go on to argue being close seems to be really important for initiating and then consolidating new relationships, but that once these things are formed, it's no longer so important that you stay physically close. I mean, at least from the perspective of facilitating innovation, which is what this podcast is all about. So let's consider a 2018 paper by Christian Catalini. Catalini exploits this natural experiment related to a French university's 17-year quest to rid its campus of asbestos. Asbestos removal is this disruptive process, and whenever a university lab's turn for renovation comes up, it requires them to relocate to whatever space is available, and there's not much they can do to petition for a better or worse location. And that means that labs across campus suddenly find themselves with new neighbors or separated from their old neighbors. Catalini finds that labs are more likely to collaborate after they're moved into the same building. And there's this diagram below that shows prior to collaboration or prior to moving, there's this sort of constant low-level probability that any two labs collaborate. And then once they get relocated to the same building, we get this upward trend where every year there's a higher probability that these two people are working together, these two labs are. However, when labs that used to be in the same building are separated, that doesn't actually seem to have any impact on their probability of collaborating. And that suggests that being neighbors is more important for meeting new people, but close proximity isn't really important after you know about each other. There's another line of evidence from Catalina that comes from the likelihood two labs would know about each other's work regardless of their proximity. So Catalina uses the publication the labs put out to measure the degree to which different labs work on different topics. It turns out being located in the same building has a big impact on the probability two labs collaborate when they normally work on different things. For labs that work on similar scientific topics, it doesn't seem to matter much if they're near or far. In this case, it seems likely the labs don't really need to be close to meet because they were probably always going to meet since they go to the same conferences, seminar series, they follow each other's work, and so on. But in Catalini's study, the distances between labs are never that great. The worst case scenario is they get moved across campus. It's still probably pretty easy to collaborate at those distances. But there is other work that find similar results for much larger moves. A 2006 paper by Agarwal, Cockburn, and McHale looks at the citations patents receive when an inventor moves. For example, let's suppose Ada is this inventor in Ames, Iowa, and she moves to New York City. Once she's in New York, Ada comes up with this, say, new patented invention. Agarwal, Cockburn, and McHale show that inventors back in Ames are more likely to cite Ada's new patent than inventors of technologically similar patents from cities that are equally far from New York. It's like like as if these Ames inventors have kept in touch with Ada and they know what she's working on. And in fact, 80% of the increased citations Ada received from Ames can be attributed to people who either actually worked on a patent previously with Ada back when she lived in Ames, 
or people who worked at the same company as she did back when she was in Ames. And, you know, these are precisely the kind of people we would expect to know Ada personally. Ackerwall, Cockburn, and McHale also show this effect is stronger for citations across different technologies. For example, let's suppose Ada works on lithium battery technology. When she moves to New York, she receives about 135% as many citations from other lithium battery inventors who are located in Ames as she receives from lithium battery inventors who are located from some other place like Birmingham, Alabama, which is about equidistant from New York City. But she receives nearly 175% as many citations from inventors who don't work on lithium batteries but still reside in Ames than she does from inventors who don't work on these kind of batteries but reside in somewhere like Birmingham, Alabama. Again, it's consistent with the idea that being located together in the same city was especially important for Ada to meet people she wouldn't normally meet. In this case, people who don't work on the same kind of thing as her. And we can go even farther. Miguelas and Numdim Timgoya, 2020, look at citations between patents in different countries when inventors migrate. They find patents from country A are more likely to cite patents from country B when more inventors have migrated from country A to country B. And they can do this study because there's this nice new data set of, uh, that tracks migrant inventors. Anyway, as with Agarwal, Cockburn, and McHale, this effect is actually stronger for countries that are otherwise technologically dissimilar. That is consistent, again, with this notion that proximity here, merely residing in the same country, is especially helpful for forming social ties with people who work on different technologies than is sort of typical for your country. But you always want to be a little bit cautious about leaning too heavily on data from patent citations. They are a pretty imperfect measure. So another major source of, quote, paper trails for knowledge are academics' papers. So Head, Lee, and Menondo from 2019, they look at citations between mathematics papers as evidence of how knowledge moves through a community of researchers. Specifically, they want to know what kinds of things predict whether paper X cites paper Y. For our purposes, the variable of interest is their measure of social ties between mathematicians. And they measure this in a lot of different ways. For example, advisor-advisee relationships, or whether two mathematicians worked in the same place at the same time, or whether they went to the same graduate school around the same time. Now, note, by definition, most of these relationships are defined in terms of physical proximity at some point in time. So Headley and Menondo find a couple of things that are consistent with what we've talked about so far. First, if you don't include any data on social ties, mathematicians are less likely to cite each other's work if they live far away from each other. But when you do include social ties, the strength of that relationship gets cut in half. And looking only at data from the early 2000s on, so sort of when the internet takes off, the impact of distance completely disappears once you account for the presence of these social ties. In layman's terms, what's going on is something like this. Mathematicians are more likely to cite mathematicians they know, and they're more likely to know mathematicians who live nearby. But, at least since the year 2000, the only thing that matters in the data is the existence of a social tie. If two mathematicians work in the same department and then one of them moves away, 
this doesn't really impact the likelihood that they'll continue to cite each other's work. And that's the same kind of finding as we had for patents. Moreover, as with the patents, the importance of, pro of social ties is stronger for mathematicians who work in different fields. Again, it's proximity that seems to help us forge relationships, especially the kind of relationships that would not normally form in the sort of day-to-day -day course of keeping up with your field. And those relationships seem to be pretty durable across distances. Freeman Ganguly and Murciano Goroff have a 2015 paper that has some descriptive data on distance and academic collaboration that's also consistent with all this. Looking at 126,000 papers in the fields of particle and field physics, nanoscience and nanotechnology, and biotechnology and applied microbiology, they don't find any consistent evidence about the impact of having geographically distant co-authors. When all the authors are based in the U.S., the citations received by papers authored by geographically distant co-authors aren't really any different than those received by geographically proximate ones, at least in two out of the three fields. Now, when you have an international collaboration, they do tend to find in all cases that you get lower citations to those kinds of papers. But even if it's possible to productively collaborate at a distance, you know, here we're measuring that by you generating a paper that, in terms of how often it gets cited, doesn't look too different from ones that were generated by people who are all working in the same place. So even if it's possible to productively collaborate at a distance, a strong majority of co-authors first met that while they were geographically close. And that's either as colleagues or advisors and advisees. And there's this nice chart from the paper, papers written by non-co-located authors, so authors who are far apart in space and remember they're writing papers that generally don't seem to be that different from the kinds that are written by the people who are close in space. But where did they meet? Over half the time, 51%, they were colleagues at some point. And another 15% of the time, they were advisors and advisees or postdocs. Other times, they were either visiting or they met at conferences. So across a lot of contexts, we find evidence consistent with this story. Innovators meet other innovators who live nearby, whether those people work in the same field or not. And once a relationship is formed, it remains pretty productive even after you get subsequently separated, in the sense that you can still collaborate well, or at least learn from each other's work. Thank you. And now it's time for the standard end of the episode boilerplate. You've been listening to a podcast from New Things Under the Sun, a living literature review with the mission of communicating what academia knows about innovation in accessible but rigorous research syntheses. New Things Under the Sun is a living literature review, which means I go back and update these research syntheses as new research is published or I discover it. The podcast you listen to is taken from the first published version of one of these syntheses. To see if there's been any updates about the claims made in this podcast, or to learn more about this project, head to newthingsunderthesun.com.